0: You are listening to the UI podcast by the Swedish Institute of International
1: Affairs. Welcome everyone to the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. My name is Niklas Brenberg and I'm a senior research fellow here at the Institute and I will be the moderator for, for today's exercise. <clears throat> on, uh, which is going to be a, a panel, a seminar on the theme or the question, who, who controls the global Internet. <clears throat> so before I'll introduce today's speakers, I'd like just to put this um, seminar, this event, into a little bit of context and remind you of, of, of a few things. First, uh, this is uh, a, a cooperation, uh, a fruit of a collaboration that we have at our institute with uh, the School of Global Studies in Gothenburg, Gothenburg University. Uh, and a collaboration that we are very happy to have, obviously, that strengthen us, the the UBI, the the Swedish Institute of International Affairs, as a research institute with a leading, leading um, institute, global school in in, in Gothenburg. Um, I would also like to remind you before we start that this is going to be recorded for our UBI podcasts. So if there are things that we say uh, or touch upon and highlight at this event that you find particularly interesting or... Or outrageous, you can you can take part of that again through uh, the Uvi podcasts, which is going to be published through SoundCloud um, further further on. <clears throat> and if you do want to participate and highlight stuff that we do now in real time, please use if you're on Twitter, please use the hashtag Uvi uh, Uvi UV Events. So <clears throat> I think you like myself uh if you're not an expert on on things that related to to internet i think you uh even, and if if you like me are not an ex- expert on on internet but very interested in in global politics you find this question of who controls the global internet particularly intriguing and i guess you do this um as 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 i do today since we see i mean big trends developing here in, in, in relating to the governance of global internet. Where does power reside over that public good that so many of us rely on for our, for our basically everyday practices we do when we in, um, interact with our friends and our, our, our colleagues? What is it that uh, kind of uh, make this thing work? and who controls that vital infrastructure. The more you think about these questions, obviously, the the more mind-boggling, I think, it is to to, to many of us. And the other big trend, I think, that many of us are are seeing here is the heightened contestation on global Internet. We see more and more global actors, state uh, actors, raising concerns, saying, like, If this is really a true global uh, goods, shouldn't us representatives of states have more of a say in who should control it and what should be done on it? On the other hand, of course, we see the trend of if states or the argument, if states would have more control over governance of the global internet, wouldn't that lead to more fragmentation? Wouldn't we have less internet as we see today if that trend were to emerge and, and pick up speed? So there are a lot of of issues involving uh, power and also legitimacy, of course, in in the way that we in 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 the way that we uh, uh, pose questions and, and address questions related to to, uh, to this overall theme of who controls the global internet. And we're very happy to have an expert panel gather here for for this particular event today to help us. I think. Tie up some of the knots, or or shed some light on on these more more um, pertinent questions that we want to that we want to address today. So let me introduce to you the speakers uh, of today. We have um, to my uh, to my right, we have sorry to my left, we have uh, Maria Hell, who is CEO of uh, Sunet, the Swedish University Network, and also um, a share lady or shareperson person of, of ISOC, Sweden. We have, uh, next to her, Gabriela uh, Schittek, who is a uh, global stakeholder uh, and engagement manager for Europe for ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned n- Names and uh, Numbers. And further to the left, I'm not sure if that's politically correct or not, but yeah, further to the left, we have Jarnot Scholte, who is Professor of peace and, conflict, uh, peace and Development at the School of Global Studies in, in, in Gothenburg. Now, the order will be that uh, Jan will start, followed by Gabriela and then Maria will, will, um, will finish with kind of individual um, intervention for about 10 minutes each. Then we will have a uh, discussion among the panelists before we open up to you to, um, to pose questions and come with, with uh, uh, comments or observations. So, without further ado, please, Jan, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, Thanks everyone for uh, for coming today. Shows a wide interest. I in uh, preparing these comments, I've assumed a non-specialist audience. So I hope I don't bore those of you who know all the technicalities, uh, and I hope I stimulate or don't lose those of you who are newer to this. Um, The internet. I checked, uh, Gabby, uh, uh, is actually over 4 billion. There's, a, yep, 4 billion, uh, 4 billion uh, regular users now. There's a, you can go to a website, internet users, and it sort of has a running count, and it's actually gone above 4 billion. Uh, 52% of the world's population are now regular uh, uh, internet users. So that's a lot of people. Uh, and of course, they are spending a lot of their lives in this cyberspatial location. Um, and the question is, you know, what, who's, who's governing there? Who's, who's controlling there? Um, i like to say to my, my, my students in, in Gothenburg, and maybe I would say to you as well, uh, how many hours a day do you spend on the internet? Do you know who's governing you while you're there? And it's quite, quite interesting. In our territorial lives, we are very concerned about the local and the national and the European Union governments that will be regulating our lives and so on, but we happily go on the internet and often don't spend very much time thinking about who's actually Governing us there. So who is controlling the internet? Um, I want maybe to say first of all make a distinction because different parts of the internet are governed by different arrangements, and maybe it's useful to distinguish between on the one hand the internet as hardware cables exchange points firewalls the communication devices I did turn mine off yeah? Uh, so there's the, there's the, there's the hardware, the hardware of the of the of the internet. There's also the soft infrastructure. The soft infrastructure is things like the address system. So everyone on the internet, every address, every time you have a, a Gmail account or whatever, you have a you have a a number, a unique number, which is assigned to you in that internet address. Um, And there are arrangements for allocating those numbers and Maria can say more about that because she lies at the heart of that part of internet governance. Uh, We have names. Uh, So every time you when you go on the internet you have a domain name. Uh, You you are connected to something.com or I am at globalstudies.gu.se. These are the domain names that give letters that correspond to the numbers. So if you don't know your, address, your number address, but you do know your letter address. And that the letter address falls in the so-called domain name system. And that's where Gabby and, and, and I can come in, in good part. And then we have all kinds of soft infrastructure, which are these, oops, don't know how to use this. Oh, what am I doing? Okay. <clears throat> the, uh, we have the, 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 the so-called protocol parameters. This is the software of the internet. The rules, the technical uh, standards, which allow devices on the internet to communicate with each other and to exchange data. So we've got hardware, the cables. We've got software, the, 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 the virtual infrastructure that gives people addresses and allows people to communicate with each other. And then, of course, we have the content, yeah, which is the, the, the what you actually transmit on the internet. Whether it's music or whether it's uh, photographs or whether it's it's uh, it's it's email texts and so on and so forth, so those different parts of the internet actually have different regulatory arrangements, and different kinds of regulatory actors have more influence in some places than others. So on the content, for example, states are are around a lot. National governments are are doing quite a lot. So you may go to another country and find that you cannot listen to the YouTube video that you could listen to in Sweden. This is because the national authorities have different views about what you can uh, see on the internet. But some of these other points, the infrastructure, the hard and soft infrastructure, the soft infrastructure in particular, that needs global arrangements. Because we have to have a global coordination of the numbers so that everyone has a unique address. Otherwise, someone in China is going to have your address, and this, does, this isn't going to work. And likewise, we have to have a global coordination of the domain names. Otherwise, someone in Bolivia is going to have your domain name, and then again, there's a problem. And we need to have global coordination of the protocol parameters. Otherwise, if you want to send a picture from Sweden to, to, to South Africa, you know, the different systems in the different countries don't read the same picture. So, anyway. There are, there are parts of the internet which de- very definitely have to be regulated in a supra-state way, and some of it, especially in the content, is often done by states. But if you actually were to put together all of the institutions, I'm sure this this little table is incomplete, because every time I find another, I find another organization that is involved in yet more rules uh, for, for, for the internet, But you can see that if you look at where are the various rules for different parts of the Internet coming from. Whoops. Somehow I want to get this. There we go. Uh, Some of them are global scale institutions. United Nations is well known to you. World Trade Organization is well known to you in the public sector. So the intergovernmental sector. But we also have many private institutions that are making rules global. Private institutions. Here's that Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, where Gabby is working, the uh, uh, Internet Engineering Task Force, uh, and then many others. But what's interesting here is to see just how many private, non-governmental organisations are making rules for the, for the Internet on a global scale. We also have many institutions who are operating on a regional scale. So here's the European Union. The Nordic Council makes 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 uh, various uh, interventions. The Council of Europe. Uh, And then, again, in the private area, we have the so-called regional internet registries, of which uh, Maria is uh, very, very involved in one of those. Um, And we have, anyway, many, many bodies that are operating privately, regionally. The nation state is definitely not out of the picture. Uh, Nicholas was saying earlier, you know, states are maneuvering here and there to be involved in internet governance. Different state ministries, so it's not only the, uh, the information ministries, the foreign ministries, the military, security ministries and so on, the police. Uh, so you get lots of different uh, national government involvement. And again, some, some national bodies are in the private sector as well. So some country code uh, top-level domains, this is .se in, in Sweden for example, is run by a foundation. It's run by a non-governmental agency. Um, in .uk in the, in, the, in, the in, in Britain is likewise run by a non-governmental uh, operation. And then sometimes you go to the local level and you may ask here, what, what would Tamil Nadu state want to do in the, global, in, the, in the global internet? Well Tamil Nadu state is interested in Tamil script which the national government in Delhi is probably not so concerned about. But the Tamil, the Tamil Nadu state wants Tamil script available on the internet, so in, in they come with, with things that they want to say. Uh, in some United States states, gambling on the internet is legal. In other US states, gambling on the internet is not legal. So sometimes the rules are coming from sub-state bodies. Um, and then again, yeah, sometimes universities are even involved. Some of the country code top-level domain names in Turkey, for example, are actually run through universities. Uh, so then you have non-governmental uh, 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 local bodies that are involved. Anyway, if you get the picture here, this is this is quite messy. So part of my answer to the to the you know answer to the question who controls the global internet would be to say, I don't know. Or, or in any case, many, many, many bodies are involved. Many, many bodies are involved. Um, To put this in more, you know, a couple of key words the governance of the internet is transscalar global, regional, national, local. It moves across scales. It's transsectoral, it's public sector, private sector, and mixes of the two. It's highly diffuse. Yeah, it's scattered in many, many places. It's not centralized in any place. It's scattered over many, many places. It's fluid. By that I mean the governance of the internet is changing all the time. Bodies that you didn't hear of five years ago are suddenly appearing. Other bodies are disappearing. Reorganizations are happening all the time. So it's not a fixed target. If you wanted to map the internet, you, you governance, you have to keep making it up again every every, every you know fairly regularly, because it's a shifting landscape. Um, Overlapping mandates means that many times you will have institutions that claim or want to have a say over the same thing. Uh, a, A very classical example is that, on the one hand, you have the private bodies, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers and the like, and you have the United Nations system, especially the International Telecommunication Union, and there are ongoing debates about who should have the say. Ambiguous lines of command is, it's not always clear who should be following whose orders. Yeah, who's, who's, what's the hierarchy here? Who who listens to whom? Who follows whose orders? Uh, Oftentimes these, these various bodies are going in different directions and doing, you know, their own thing and not necessarily taking orders from any of the others. Um, And then, no final arbiter. So on that who controls the internet, there isn't a final place that makes the decision. There's no, there's no, you know, world monarch, or there's no, you know, global Stéphane Lergen who is, who is, who's looking over the whole internet. There's no final resting place. And this makes it, again, very curious. Who controls the, the global internet? Well, everyone and no one. Or, is there a little bit of order behind everything? At one point, I was involved in some global internet governance, a key transition that was going on in the last couple of years. And at a certain point, everyone was running around the negotiating rooms. and and, and everyone was uncertain what was going to be the outcome. And and, and, and the the, the engineers were saying one thing, and the business people were saying another thing, and ICANN was saying this, and the governments were saying that, and it was just chaos. And one of the leading people in the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers came to me and said, he winked at me, and he said, it's chaos, but it's organized chaos. <laughs> uh, and I think what, what the idea behind that was that when, behind all of these different, you know, all of these different uh, uh, institutions and, 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 and arrangements, are there some deeper ordering patterns which actually bring some kind of order and control? I just leave you with these thoughts. I'm not actually going to advocate for it. But uh, some people say that there is a hegemonic state behind it all, Uh, that the United States government, in particular, set up many of the arrangements for the regulation of the global internet in the 1990s and is still kind of a power behind the scenes. In in 2016, there was a handover, the so-called IANA stewardship transition, in which the US government formally withdrew. It's oversight of of certain, especially the soft, infrastructure that I mentioned before. Some people say, nah, but look, the arrangement is still based in Los Angeles. It's still under state of California law. The big companies are still mainly US-based. The US government, if ever they want to take it back, they'll take it back again. It's one line of argument. Others say, actually, it's in the control of a kind of global elite network. Also known as the multi-stakeholder community, eh? the multi-stakeholder community—a group of business people, technicians, uh, uh, certain government elites—and they're like who together come together and make many of these rules. And they have a—they—they they know each other, and they kind of go to the meetings together, and they. It's kind of a traveling circus that goes around the globe and pops up and they, they work together and they make many of the rules. So some people say there's this kind of invisible to you and I, general public, global elite network that behind the scenes is doing this, this work. Um, some people say, well, you know, it, it's capitalist control. The internet, when it was founded in the, in the early, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, was not commodified. Uh, it was not something that you bought and sold. Uh, numbers, names, Protocols were not something that you bought and sold, and the early people who were running the internet were mostly academics, and, uh, and these networks often started as academic networks. But gradually, it became commodified, and nowadays, if you go to many of the meetings, you do see the big, the big, the big internet companies with a big presence. Uh, and so, some people might say, "Well, actually, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a capitalist, capitalist control, um, and then or a discursive control." Uh, And by that I mean, if you go into the internet sphere, you will see certain kinds of languages that everyone plays into. And if you speak certain languages, then you can access power and and you can become quite involved. Um, Some of these languages include security, uh, multi-stakeholder democracy, accountability, uh, market efficiency. Uh, Anyway, if you play into, and actually more recently, human rights. And if you play into some of those languages, then you also access power in the internet. Okay. Long story short, it's complicated. Thank you. Thank you, Jörn.
1: I I, I will um, not directly comment on on your individual interventions. I will just give the floor to Gabriela, please.
0: Hello, Hello, everybody. I'm waiting for my slides to get up. Uh, Jan has already said a lot of what I wanted to say. Uh, and um, uh, But I will dig into, I'm um, um, as he also said, I'm from ICANN. And um, I will show what he says, but more from an ICANN perspective. Because ICANN has actually often been accused, if you can use that word being the, the government of the internet and I'm here today and that sounds very cool actually but I'm here today to say actually we're not that cool and I'm going to explain why. Um, so starting with the question who controls the global internet, this is the slide we always show, um, showing that we're just one cogwheel of many others. Again I have to repeat what Jan said, the internet is has many, many layers. It has a layer of, for instance, um, uh, internet service providers, satellites, broadband. Um, There's a layer for the users, where you can find Facebook, Google, and so on. And we actually deal with something we call more of the uh, technical administrative level. So this is, um, I can actually just speak about the technical administrative level where you can find ICANN. So one cogwheel of many, I'm going to come back to this and then I have a question for you. Before you heard Jan mentioning ICANN several times, how many of you actually had heard about ICANN before you came here? Quite a few. That's nice. But I will still repeat, it. I will I will still go uh, refresh your memory of what ICANN is and what we're doing. It's not always that easy. So um, the abbreviation is uh, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. We were established in 1998 by the U.S. government but this was actually done together with the guys that uh, that invented the internet. Because by the 90s, the the part that they were dealing with was just growing so fast, so big, they just realized, oh, we have to institutionalize this. So, uh, as it was funded by the U.S. government, um, they decided together, we need to found something and they founded um, ICANN. Um, ICANN does several things, but the very, very heart of ICANN is made up by three technical functions. Uh, They also call the IANA functions. Um, First of all, uh, top-level domains. This is what you, when you read a domain name, for instance, um, I don't know, Stockholm.se, in my world, we read that domain name from the very end. So to me, it's most interesting to see what's at the end. So I see .se. Oh, I see this is a country code, top-level domain. It means this comes from Sweden. It can be a .com, for instance. That's a generic one. So in my world, this is, these are called the top-level domains, what's at the very end, because this is actually how it's read by computers. It's read from the very end. So um, we, in ICANN, we are actually putting this in the so-called root zone which means um, that it actually goes live, that it actually is visible. So .se exists because we at ICANN put it into the so-called roots and we made it actually happen. That's the domain names. But the fact is that computers don't read letters. They read numbers only. So our second big function is um, that we allocate IP numbers. I'm sure every one of you have heard IP numbers. So We have the worldwide pool of all IP numbers that we then distribute to five regional organizations. One of them, Maria, is um, on the board of one of them, um, for the European one. So they actually then distributed further down in Europe. But we have the the, the worldwide pool of these IP numbers. The third um, technical function that we're doing is We keep a kind of directory of the protocol parameters. So what is a protocol parameter? Um, I'm going to show you this. I think every one of you has seen this at some point. This is a typical protocol parameter. So a protocol parameter is, um, um, is a technical document that was written by some engineers in one of our sister organizations called the IETF. We don't do pre- uh, technical protocols, we don't write them, but we keep, we keep them in our database. So, for instance, if a web developer needs to know, because everything on the web is based on protocols, so if uh, anyone needs something, they will go to our database and check it out. What's important is, this is the heart, the very, very heart of ICANN, but ICANN is so much more than that, and uh, what's important is that for the function one and two, domain names and the IP numbers, we develop uh, policies and we make them sh- short to implement them. But I have to go into how this is done because this is actually relevant to today's topic. Uh, you will see at the very end why. But I have just to, to add that we do all this, this is all not for profit, so we, 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 we don't get any money for this. Everything is for free. So I have to go into how ICANN is structured because this is actually very, very important. So we have to differentiate between ICANN as the organization, which is, for instance, me as a staff member. We are the organization, but we just facilitate everything around. i will go into that sure, shortly, uh, shortly as well. And then we have um, the ICANN board. This is comprised by 20 people from all around the world, um, selected by different methods, but we're trying to be democratic about that, and um, um, they sign off on all the policies that we do, so that we then can implement them. But the big, the biggest, and the most important part of this is the so-called ICANN community. What is the ICANN community? Well, this is Jan already said; he already mentioned this a couple of times. The multi-stakeholderism. This is. Have you heard about this word before? Multi-stakeholder community. Before he mentioned it, yes. Okay, I'm going to try to explain what it is, but I I like this slide better (laughs) to try to explain it. Um, So, the multi-stakeholder community is basically everyone. Everyone that's interested in um, um, developing policies around um, uh, internet stuff that we are dealing with are welcome to do so. We have, in our groups, we have governments represented, we have business represented, we have academia represented, we have... um, technical community, of course. We also have end users represented. So I always say, for instance, let's say Lars Nielsen off the street wants to become involved in us today because he thinks this is really, really interesting. We will have a group for him that he can become active in. Or actually, you don't even have to become active in a group. If you're just interested in a policy that we're developing, everything we do is um, online. Um, We broadcast many meetings that we have, we're inviting everyone. Everything is for free. So um, everyone who really, really wants to become involved, there is an avenue for you to to get involved. This is multi-stakeholderism, and this is how I can um, run. And there's no, no group that is more important than the others. Everything is interdependent. So I'm coming back to my first slide again. So why, why all this? Because as Jan already said, like kind of Everyone and no one is in charge of the internet from our point of view. But the fact is that thanks to our multi-stakeholder model, every one of you can actually become involved today, if you like so. So, actually, you can be part of it.
1: That's it. Thank you, Gabriella. Further to Maria. I know, Maria, that you have another meeting, so you might need to to leave a bit earlier before we close the seminar. But I give the floor to you now, and please...
3: Thank Stay as long much. as
1: you can and want to. But.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. I'm sorry for that, but I, I will not seek away until half an hour for, around two o'clock. Anyway, so my name is Maria Hell, and I'm CEO for Sunet, the Swedish University Network, which I guess many of you know about. Yeah, whew, thanks. Great. <laughs> right. But anyway, I have a couple of other hats that is relevant for this internet governance uh, discussions. I'm, as uh, Gabrielle and John said, I'm. I'm a board member of the RIPE NCC, which is actually the organisation in our part of the world, Europe and the and, uh, Middle East, that handle out the IP addresses, the, the Internet Protocol addresses that we need to to be able to communicate on 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 uh, uh, on Internet. And uh, hmm, anyway, I was going to say, I, I lost my sorry. <laughs> Anyway, so I, but I'm also sharing the ISOC uh, Swedish chapter. And uh, the Internet Society is a global organization and doing a bunch of internet-related matters on a really central level. And, uh, and they have chapters all over the world. And I'm sharing the Swedish chapter. And funny enough, we had a discussion yesterday. We had the an annual meeting for the Swedish chapter. And we had a person coming from, from ISOC, the global ISOC and was discussing about internet governance. And the funny thing is because I was working for, for the Swedish government. Before before I came to SUNET, and uh, one of my my in my portfolio was the internet governance uh, issues, which been going on for so many years. So I think, funny enough, it's still it's still going on. So, what Carl coming from ISOC, said it's it's like a marathon uh, run. Actually, it's 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 been going on for so many years, but are small steps taken every day to 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 to, see the, to have changes, and we have. Uh, another political arena now than we had 5 or 10 or even 20 years ago, which also make implications of, of how the internet is run. But it's complicated as, as Jan said and my perspective is actually not only the the, the, la- the layer discussion that we have, we have the, the cables, the optical fiber cables which is run and owned by different players, but we have the IP level which is the, the internet service providers we have Telia in Sweden, we have money. And the other, we have Sunet, we are also an operator in, in, in Sweden. But we also have geographical uh, dimensions. For instance, we have this, this, this NCC that I'm in the board of that handle out the IP addresses for our part of the world. And we have other of these uh, regional internet registries in other parts of the world. But what is very important here, it's not uh, geographically di- um, divided in, in countries. Internet has no borders. Because uh, different operators, different players, they can operate all over the world. For practical reasons, we have this handle-out IP addresses for certain regions, but Internet has no borders. So as uh, Gabriella was saying, and Jörn was also touching upon it, I think that Internet is, as who is controlling the Internet, it's either nobody or it's everybody. You have a, maybe a Wi-Fi home uh, at home, you're also part of the Internet. When you're connected to Internet, your little piece is one, and all the pieces together, that is the internet. So actually, as Jan is saying, it's very complicated. And all of us have actually a responsibility being a piece of, of the internet to actually to run it the best way we can. And of course... Me as yes, running the Academia Networks Unit, of course, we have a lot of responsibility to run our network in a good way, as well as other ISPs, as well as ICANN, running the names. So the responsibility is, is very, very uh, differentiated and, and very decentralized, which is very interesting. And, and it's actually the power of the internet. It's very strong because of this decentralized system, because the, the, the accountability and the responsibilities is divided. So nobody alone is running the internet and what is different now though if you compare to when i started to work with the internet governance related matters is that so many more players and persons and organizations are interested in internet i remember many years ago when i was i'm a technical person so i was dealing with the technical things for many many years the politicians I was working when I was working for the government or I was working for the municipality Say, oh, you techie guys, you take care of internet related stuff. We don't care. It's techie stuff. The wires, the routers, the servers, that's technology. We don't care. Just run it for us. Nowadays, this is not really the case anymore. Of course, the technical dimensions are still less important, the robustness and everything. But, but the other things, it's, it becomes a really political issue. It's, internet is for everybody. Everybody is one way or the other using internet. The governments are using it. The healthcare system are using it. The businesses and, and pretty much everybody. So that's why the interest of these matters has become most, more and more different than, than before. Which is also very powerful and very, very interesting. But I think, it's, it's a, once again, it's a responsibility for all of us, actually, to make it be what we want it to be Having this open and, and, uh, and uh, transparent network that we can actually use for everything that we want to, to use it for. We don't want it to have a fragmented system. When I get connected, when I don't, I don't you know, reach everything I want to reach, we want to have it in this open way that it was uh, meant to be from the beginning. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Maria. Um, so before I, we open up to you guys, let me start kind of... Um, the, the conversational reactions to your interventions by, with two questions. Perhaps they are, are a bit provocative. We'll see what you respond to to, to, the, uh, to these questions. So the first question is, obviously, is even, I mean, we listened to, to your presentations. here. They're very, I mean, interesting in a sense. And they, I think they are, are, are helping us understand the complexity of the issues involved, basically, and perhaps also uh, help us maneuver this universe of actors, basically, it's hetero, uh, very ambivalent and heterogeneous in a sense. So the the first question that strikes me uh, listening to you is, does it matter who controls the internet? Even though we hear you say, well, it's everyone and no one. Internet has no borders. And Jan would say something that, no, it's organized chaos. Or at least some actors in this universe think it's organized chaos. Or it might be a capitalist conspiracy. We're not really sure. And 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 um, Gabriella would would tell us basically no it doesn't really work like it's more of an some kind of a multi-stakeholder model. Does it really matter who control, controls global internet? Does it matter if we get a mo- much more fragmented uh, internet? If Russia, China, other uh, countries are actually able to create some kind of a national control over their own uh, internet? Even though it's it's hard to imagine perhaps right now, but it's I guess it's only a technical solution, a way to have that fully fragmented internet. Does that matter? Again, that is a key question: who controls internet, the global internet? Mm-hmm. And the other question I think is 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 relating to this. Hearing uh, you speak on the kind of the emergence and development of what is now the global good, the collective good that is internet or the global internet today is who should control global internet. And I, I, I would invite you f- to a thought experiment here. This is a little bit philo- uh, philosophical and perhaps ridiculous, but still. So if we were knowing now what the internet can do and, and kind of the benefits it, it, that comes with it, if we, were, if we were to create internet today from scratch, what kind of governance model will we build it upon, uh, build it upon and why, how, how would you Legitimate your preferred uh, governance model for, for, for your perfect internet, so to speak. So two questions for you, just to start off the debate. Who would like to start? Maria, since you're in a little bit of a rush, so please
3: go ahead. Well, I don't know I, what I would design it uh, right if I got a question like that. That's an interesting question. But I, yes, I think it's important who runs the internet or, or how it's run. OK, not necessarily who is running it, yeah. but how it's yeah. run. And uh, interesting enough, we in Sweden yeah. have a we have a project going on. We call Internet Access Specification Project. We do that uh, sooner together with uh, the Netnode, uh, our internet uh, exchange uh, connection company in Sweden, by running money, money from the IIS, who run is running the .se, the, the top level domain. And we, because we want to define what is Internet? For me, when I'm connected as a consumer at home, what is the internet? For me, and this is very personal for me, because I've been dealing with these issues for so many years, is when I get connected and it's up to me what services I want to buy or reach. I don't want anybody in in the way for me to reach. If I want to see Aftonblad at YouTube, I want to buy an, a newspaper online, I want to, to have see those TV programs or whatever online, it's up to me and the relationship with the service provider that I pay or, or if it's a free service or whatever. I don't want anybody else to decide to filter or do any harm to my connection to the open world. I want to create my own uh, activity. So so for us, making a uh, internet specification uh, together with the, the, the internet service providers in Sweden, of course, otherwise it wouldn't work. So, if, if if it's any any other harm that made for the connection, that is not internet. They could call it something else. They could call it broadband or whatever. But if you get an internet connection, you should know what you get. So that's that's I think it's how it's run. It's much more important than saying who is running it.
1: Okay, thank you, Gabriella. Would you like to? Sure. Reflect um, on the questions. So
0: yeah. the first question was about doesn't matter. Yeah. And as we just heard, we're now over 4 billion internet users. And I think for most of those, it really doesn't matter (laughs) because they just connect and they're happy that it works. And then they never heard about ICANN or they don't reflect on what's behind that. So I don't think it matters to most of them. Uh, However, it could lead to fragmentation indeed if some uh, countries decide to build their own internet, and I just read an article that they did a research in Russia where they want to, they have declared they will build their own internet by August 2018, Um, and I read that 58% of the Russians actually support this. Um, That is concerning for us. Our slogan in ICANN is one world, one internet, so of course we don't support that, but we do wonder will fragmentation actually be successful? Um, Because in a a way, that would actually more create a kind of intranet than an internet. The real internet is global. Does business actually want to have their own intranet? I mean, do the Russians actually, Russian business, will they actually be happy about that? I doubt it. I'm really interested to see how this project will go. I'm thinking it's more of a political slogans that they're using just to to show that they can. It's actually not that uh, hard to build your own internet. You can. But the whole beauty of this global borderless, um, the whole idea will get damaged. And do you want that? Sure, if you want to. Uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. Um, Then the other question was who should, right? Who should run it?
1: if, if If you were to design internet today, create it and its governance model, today from scratch? How would you do it?
0: Okay. I agree with Maria. We should rather ask a question how than who. I think that's more important. But if I were to redesign the internet, I think it would um, end up roughly the same way it's today with this multi-stakeholder model. Because the multi-stakeholder model is actually a kind of... um, Um, reflection or a copy of the very nature of the technical internet itself, the very technical internet, how it's built. It was built in a very open manner, it was built in a global manner, in a very flexible manner. Um, The guys that invented it, it was at a university in California, instead of competing with other universities, they invited them to come and help us and, and improve this, come and help us make this better. And the, um, the multi-stakeholder model that we are running and, and really advocate is really a kind of copy, a reflection, uh, an institutionalization of the very nature of the internet. So I think I would actually build it the very same way because only this way it can actually, this is why it was possible for it to grow because this was its very nature. So I, th- I would keep it the same way.
1: Thank you.
2: Jan. Uh, yeah, why why does it why does it matter? Um as, as Gabi said, it's half over half the world population, regular users, but it's also the internet is at the heart of a digital society and we are living in a digitized digitized society. So whether we look at <clears throat> How our production processes are run, the internet is intervening into that more and more, so the future of work and what work looks like is it's very affected by the internet. Uh, our political processes, uh, what democracy looks like, how democracy is, is, is enacted is very internet related. Uh, military activities, the internet is, is, is militarized in various ways, so there are implications for peace, war and peace. Um, our, our psychological experiences uh, as we sit and, and are on the internet and it shapes the way, it shapes our emotions, it shapes the way we, 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 we experience life. Our cultural identities are shaped by this. I mean, uh, the internet is used for ecological, ecological monitoring and, and interventions, so our, our ecological future is probably bound up with all of this. I mean, the stakes are are enormous. Um, not to mention, you know, the commercialization and all kinds of questions about distributive justice, is, as so much of the economy is run through internet business nowadays. So I, uh, we should care. Um, in terms of how, if we could start over, well, we can't start over, so that's, that's maybe, um, uh, 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 but also the idea that you can plan that you can sort of step back and sort of Bretton Woods style or United Nations 1940s, say, okay, let's let's start this from scratch. You know, unless unless we have a World War Three that sort of you know eliminates much of our infrastructure today, and then we're forced in a post-war system, we're not going to have that sort of situation. So I think it's it's a question of dealing with a very complex and evolving beast. Some concerns may be within that beast as they exist. Uh, I'm not a technical person, so I can't sort of say much about how maybe the technicalities of the internet could be improved if it was to be governed again. But as a as a student of of, of politics and, and governance, I guess I would say uh, there are some concerns, maybe about uh, the hierarchies that have been built into the, the into the regime. So we heard that it's a multi-stakeholder community, and we saw a picture of all these people, you know, open doors, and anyone can come to the meeting and so on. In practice, that's not the way it works. Um, in, in practice, there are hierarchies of language, if you don't speak English, if you, 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 you're, gonna have, you're gonna have some struggles. Um, if you don't have money, you won't be able to afford to go to the meeting, yes, there are possibilities for remote observation and so on, but I think everyone agrees that the remote participants and the on-site participants are two classes. Um, you know, there, 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 there are gender hierarchies, there are age hierarchies, there are many, there are many quiet hierarchies of power. Uh, regional and 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 so on as well, so that's uh I think a little bit more frank discussion about these hierarchies of power and and asking what could uh, be done about them i think would uh, would be uh, be 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 good there's also a little bit in the privatized areas uh it's i'm not I'm not always fully convinced that the privatized parts of the internet governance are fully equipped to a deal with public interest questions um and so there's, there's, there, there, there is a greater involvement of governments in, in some of these areas. A lot of the players in those private parts of the governance are concerned that governments would interfere and mess things up and you know, uh, interfere with the smooth technical running of the internet. Um, but on the other hand, governments do bring in public interest questions that, uh, that, that some of the private entities are, don't have in their DNA as much. So uh, it's a delicate question, how exactly how to do it. And I could see Maria half frowning saying, oh oh, oh, no, not the governments. But I I think it's something we are gradually beginning to to address exactly how we do it, how we bring governments in, how far and in what ways. This is still perhaps open. Thank you,
1: Yaron. And, and just for the record, I'm not uh, suggesting or longing for World War III as a way to kind of reboot the internet or something like that. Uh, but, but of course, I think the, the, the question on, on on this kind of philosophical ideal model is it serves the purpose of at least uh, kind of reflect on our ideals. What what kind of internet and what kind of governance model should we strive for if if it was possible to change stuff? And I hope it's it, it is still possible to to to. To uh, to change things, uh, Maria, you wanted to say
3: something. Yes, I wanted to add a, add a little bit on the on the discussion of fragmentation. I I actually very much um, agree with what Gabriella is saying about this fragmentation. Like different countries want to build their own internet. Of course, they could. Even though I I hope if they do, there will be loopholes for 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 citizens to. To able to connect um, outside the country, uh, but but these, I don't think it's a very good idea. I mean, the, you close the border for your own companies they want to reach out to the world. I mean, how clever is that? Not very clever, or vice versa. You, so it's that's not not a very good idea, even though you can do it apparently. But I, I see I see other other fragmentation matters actually, which I think is is uh, not very good either. Is more like the business model of fragmentation. Like you have to connect to that certain. Um, internet service provider to reach that service. That's also a fragmentation. And that's why I really, really believe in the power of the consumer, actually, that the consumer, you shouldn't accept that you have to to have, oh, I have to buy that service to be able to reach that, uh, that operator to reach that service. That's really fragmentation on another layer. It's like a little bit with cable TV, internet, which I used to call it. That's not a very good idea. And it's it's a bad idea not only for the consumer that is limited to, to a certain amount of services that somebody else decided for you. Not a very good idea. But it's also a very, very bad bis- business model for, for, for competition and growth, actually. So the government should be very careful about these this, um, happenings, which I know that the Swedish government is talking about as many other especially the European governments, the net neutrality discussions and so on. So that's another fragmentation that that we see. But as I said, I really hope, hope for the consumer power here. And that's what I mean. We have a little bit of responsibility, all of us, actually, how it works. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I'll soon let you in, um, all of you who are... Uh, eagerly waiting to, to ask questions or, or come with, with comments. But before that, I will just uh, kind of take advantage of my, my role as as a moderator and share and ask you another broad and very provocative question. Yeah. So to me, in a sense, it's it, it very much, when you listen to Maria and, and Gabriela, and also a little bit you, Jan, um, the, the story of the internet, the emergence of, of the internet is a very much seems to, the global internet, seems to be um, very much in line with uh, the narrative we saw in the 90s of this kind of liberal globalization. So it was at a time when we thought that national borders, national communities would play a decreasing role for people across uh, the world. And the forces of, of market liberalization would basically push social and political change forward. And internet, I think, was perhaps part of, of, of that idea or that, that narrative. Nowadays, obviously, and we have touched about touched upon this with, with fragmentation on and of the internet and certain uh, state actors being perhaps thinking other terms or wanting to build their own internet. Uh, Gabriella mentioned mentioned Russia in, in this sense. So today, when we find ourselves in, in in a place where the liberal world order seems to be, if not cracking down, so at least have a much less traction even in the West than just 10, 15 years ago. So my, my broad and speculative and provocative question is to you, will the global internet as we know it today survive the end of the liberal world order dominated by the West? And if it does, why? Is it, is it so powerful in itself? There's, there's this logics, as you mentioned, Maria, consumer power or, 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 or just the urge to communicate is it stronger than the kind of the political discourse that underpins this, pati- this particular project? <laughs> One million dollar question. Yeah.
3: yeah Maria, since
1: you're in a hurry, you get to... <laughs> the yeah, because I,
3: I'm, that's why I'm trying to grab the microphone as much as I can, because I good, have to leave in, good, in seven minutes. Good. Anyway, no. Yes, it's going to survive. Okay. And, but I have a very naive, uh, naive view of this, actually, uh, for, for, for several reasons. One of, the, one of it is actually because of the consumer, consumer power that I actually see. But also, I think that the knowledge how internet works is getting better, but still is not good enough. So the more you know how internet works, I mean, there certain layers that we were talking about before, but also who is running what, who is doing what, who is providing what on these layers and in, in, in the parts of the world, the more you know how it works, the better political decisions you can make without harming the system. So I think one of the causes or one of the challenges that we have, all of us working in, in, in the internet-related organisation, is actually to higher the knowledge how it works. Not only for for the politicians, but 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 for for everybody actually. So um, so the knowledge is, is one of the, the the keys here. Of course, there are countries and organizations and political uh, you know arenas that have other aims. They want to control things and maybe don't even even though the the, the, the more that they know about it, is they still have other ideas. But uh, so my my naive part of me say that the higher the knowledge of how it works, it's going to be a better conditions for making good good decisions, and then it can survive.
1: Thank you, Gabriella. Do you dare answering the question?
0: Mm, yeah, I'm still. I was a little bit shocked actually, so <laughs> I'm still thinking. Um, if you're talking about the will the domain name system survive as we know it today, and then I'm immediately thinking of the technical background of it because we are a technical organization as ICANN. And um, if you look at the technical design, um, I think, for now, I mean, future depends on when it ends for you, but let's say the next 50 years or 100 years, I think the DNS will, the, the technical system will survive because uh, when it was invented, there were actually several competing internet projects um, designed at the same time. But this DNS system that we have today won because it was the most clever and was easy design, and it was the most inclusive design. So I think, as a as a technical system, I think it has good means to design. Although I often hear people saying, "Yeah, but with the dark net, um, well, or, well, is it going to lose in relevance?" I don't know. But I, I actually think that seeing more and more people actually. Getting connected every day, um, I think it has good chances to survive. Let's say the next hundred years, at least. Maybe something more clever will come. Then that's fine. I, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. But for the next foreseeable future, I think it will be. Um, it will survive. Then I also agree with Maria that it's really important. Really, really important to increase knowledge about. The internet, what you can do, what you can't do. I mean, man, many governments really don't understand that the internet is global and you cannot, I mean, even if you do uh, do jurisdiction about that, you still cannot stop many things because it's actually global. So, uh, yes, increased knowledge is key to make it actually, to survive, to make it survive.
2: Thank you very much. Oh. i would just say briefly, The I think you can distinguish between global connections, of which the internet is a prominent example, meaning connecting people wherever on the planet they might be. Those are global connections. Global connections don't have to be liberal and western. They don't have to be universal, they don't have to be deregulated, they don't have to be private, and so on and so forth. In the 1990s, when ICANN was born, uh, and and the internet developed first, that was indeed a heyday of liberal globalization but the fact that you might turn away from liberal globalization doesn't mean that you necessarily turn away from global connections. So I mean if we we had we had air traffic global air traffic before we had before we had liberal globalization you didn't need liberal you didn't need liberal private etc led in order to have global connections. So the internet I mean it's 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 deeply embedded in in all aspects of our lives. it's not going to go away that it will be Develop in one way rather than another way, yes, and there are political choices to be made there. But I don't think that you know the arrival of Trump or something you know spells the end of the internet. That's that's not exactly. On the contrary, (laughs) judging by his politics. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, so um, on that note, I mean, it's uh, some some yoke say it's harder to uh, envision. The end of capitalism than it is the end of the world. So we have a lot of, of movies depicting the end of the world, but it's hard for us to to understand the kind of the end of capitalism. But you're saying that it is even harder to understand the end of internet. So no matter the political, social, economic developments, internet will 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 stay on. So that's perhaps reassuring. So let's uh, collect a couple of of questions. We see hands over there. Let's start with you, sir, and then the gentleman over there, and then you. Yeah.
4: I, I, I. My name is Van Limt. I I, I think I've missed something because when it comes to governance of the internet and all that, uh, I think of uh, encryption. I think of the battle between Apple and the US government because we can't access uh, messages because they're superfluously encrypted. I'm thinking of uh, people uh, who spread child pornography through the dark net. I think of being in China and not being able to access Google. Uh, and But I haven't heard anything about this, which I think is a prime element of, of governance, and it's not hypothetical, it's actually happening now. But the point I think is most important is when it comes to free speech. Yeah You're not supposed to spread uh, hate speech or terrorist propaganda, etc., etc, which basically means that you know people look at Facebook or at social media, you know, how can you possibly allow this, and it can't be up for more than an hour and all that. Right. This is this is the trend at the moment that the 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 Facebooks and the Snapchats and the app uh, you know are deciding what is acceptable free speech and what is not. I think that is in quite apart from the technical side that I just mentioned, but this whole idea that you know the internet is being abused and people are complaining about it and that you basically outsource what is allowed and not allowed to to the uh, <laughs> to the Facebooks, you know who now have I don't know how many thousands people controlling what people say and see whether it is allowed or not. The question is, is Facebook going to decide what is allowed to be said on the internet? I think when it comes to governance, I think those are the real issues. Sorry, but...
1: Thank you. No, good. Okay, so a question on content management perhaps on the internet. We'll, we'll, We'll take another question. Yeah.
5: My name is Tony Hinnemo. I'm a journalist. When I, some 25 years ago, first started using the internet for uh, communication and research, I was told uh, that there was some uh, technical core uh, that was essential for the internet, uh, a limited number of nodes, uh, most of them situated in the US, maybe two in Sweden, and in some countries uh, People who are uh, depending of nodes in other countries, for example Uzbek uses, uh, to some extent, we're using uh, nodes in in China. What's the situation today? It's similar how many basic nodes are and if a country has one or several nodes in that country, does this give them some special power? Thank
1: you very much. I think we'll uh, give the word to Maria first, and then we'll collect, uh, uh, and then uh, to the other panelists, and then we'll connect in the uh, next round of questions. Please, Maria. You
3: have a couple of answers to the, to the first questions. Well, you we touched upon the, whether you can use uh, Google in or not in China, it was part of my trying to to some to simple the fragmentation, because it'd be country fragmentation. So yeah, it's a big problem. So the fragmentation is, is, is one issue. And we touched upon two different types of fragmentation. There are a bunch of different fragmentation. And one of them you're pointing out very severe, and and uh, I don't like it. Um, the second question, you talk about the security, encryption, whether Google or or Facebook are doing certain things. I think we need to we need to divide the discussion in certain levels. I mean, when we talk about the optical fibers, which is a part of the internet infrastructure, that's one discussion. Then we have the IP level and the, the internet protocol level, which is another discussion. So there's a bunch of things happening above internet, on internet all the applications, how they are run, if there are criminal activities within those applications or used by criminal uh, organizations and, and, and hatred or, or whatever. So that's a, not, that's a couple of layers above, which is super interesting because that, that's the consumer side, side of, 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 of internet. But it's not really for me as a technical person, internet is, is more the, the layer below. Uh, so it's, um, it's very, very, very interesting, but, but it's another layer of discussion if you understand what I mean. Not less interesting, but for me, I'm I'm rather dealing with the, the, the lower level of the infrastructure. Thank you. Would you like <laughs> and now I have to leave. I'm so okay. sorry. Okay. So, but okay. thank you so much. Good to see you and, and, uh, and hope to see you again.
1: <laughs> thank <laughs> you very much, Maria. Thank you for, for taking that from <laughs> So, Gabriella, would you like to uh, respond to... The question on content management and uh, the nodes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, so regarding content, I'm sorry, I cannot comment basically because this is this, as Maria mentioned, this is another level of what we are. As I can, I can, I cannot, as I can reply to that. I can provide to that from my personal point of view, but from I can, I cannot do that because we don't deal with content at all. We just make the this. We make the skeleton of the internet, if you so like. But what's on the skeleton, we don't deal with. So from an ICANN point of view I really cannot reply to your question but it is a very important one and in a way I'm happy that you're asking that because it shows other things are, in, uh, are more important to you than what I'm talking about which is uh, you know, good because then we make our job in a good way because you're not concerned about what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm actually very happy about that. But I cannot reply to your question, I'm sorry. About the nodes, I think you mean the root servers. Um, and if we have 13 root servers, uh, most of them are in the U.S., I think, yes, historically because, uh, yeah, just for historic reasons. Um, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't give more power to any country that has a root server because every root server is um, mirrored so many times by something called anycast. It's mirrored all over the world. So it really doesn't actually matter if you're called a root server or not because everything is mirrored te- technically.
2: very much. Yeah, Yeah. just to to build up on that, there are root server operators. There are 13 root server operators. 10 of those root server operators are based in the United States. One is based in Stockholm, one is based in Amsterdam, one is based in Tokyo. But they are the operators, the actual root servers are not just in those countries. Yeah, so the, 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 the root servers are the, the top, top, top addresses in the, domain, in, in the in the internet. They are the top addresses through which every message, ultimately, would go through. But as Gabby says, there are 800 mirrors, there are 800 actual instances of those root servers spread all over the planet. So the operators are in certain countries, but the servers themselves are spread all over the planet. So it, it's, not that, it's not that the control, that it's all sitting in the United States. Uh, the 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 other point on the uh, the, the, the yeah the, con- the content issues. I tried to point out in my first slide. You know there are there are infrastructure questions and there are content questions. And you're asking the content questions. Uh, and a lot of the content is territorially regulated. Yeah? It's territorially regulated by the by the nation states or uh, 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 regions. Uh, And at that level, that's where a lot of things happen. You can get around those territorial, you know, with virtual virtual private networks, VPNs, or the dark net, and and that sort of thing. There are ways to get around the territorial, and that's why, you know, in China, many people are are happily not uh, not bothered by the the so-called Great Firewall. Um, So it is possible to get around, but governments do have a, a very powerful role to play in that regard. The other powerful role is with the large internet companies. Uh, you mentioned Facebook and one can name Google and the, and the like. These are very large companies and in some, in some areas of internet governance, they are very, very powerful. Um, and I've heard said sometimes, you know, that people liken the dominance of those internet companies over the virtual economy to the dominance of certain oil companies over the industrial economy a hundred and plus years ago. Um, if that's a scenario, then maybe one of the scenarios we see in the years to come is a struggle to break up those internet companies and and, 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 and reduce the dominance of a, of a the seven virtual sisters, as it were
4: Not just the dominance that is an interesting point too, but the whole idea of people abusing like abusing what for you is abuse is my use, yeah? Mm. But then turning to the internet company and say, you should prevent this, you should stop it, you should stop it within an hour, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. No,
4: yeah. outsourcing control, outsourcing government control.
2: <laughs> And a lot of delicate relations happen in the uh, the, the the groups that um, that Maria is working with on the the numbers allocation. You know, the law enforcement agencies are often saying we want to know who that number belongs to in the name of crime prevention. You know, but is it crime prevention or is it you know chasing a political uh, political activist? And so then you have then you have the law enforcement agencies on the one hand, the public authorities and the private authorities of the numbers allocation, and they somehow have to deal with things, but they're doing it outside of democratic debate and control.
1: Thank you. We have a question here and perhaps some more over there as well. Yeah,
5: let's start here, please. Sorry, I am uh, ambassador of Iraq to Sweden. I have a comment uh, to add it. I uh, thank you very much for all discussions uh, with the information got it from side. My perspective who uh, has uh, the control for the global internet, who has the keys that turn the internet on or off? Maybe it's ma- the main power in the world, like the main companies, main biggest companies like Apple or uh, Microsoft or, or any other co- uh, companies. Maybe hackers, they have the authorized through some ways they could get inside the internet and stop the internet in any countries in the world. For example, I will give you something about the main com- uh, companies like Google. Google, in, at, at any time, you would like to stop the search, everything is down, or Yahoo, or any other uh, main software that we use it, like like, like Facebook or uh, or um, something like that for for uh, calling any any anyone around the world, like messengers or if you want to have any website, you want to design any website, you want to have a main domain. That main domain you should have the authorized for one of the companies, that company have a subcontract with one of the uh, uh, internet companies in the United States. That's why I told you that uh, the main countries like United States, it's the main power to have the key that stop the internet or make it on for the others. Thank you very much.
1: OK, so there was a perhaps a reflection on the on-off switch uh, for, uh, for global internet that, there, that, that you will be able to respond to. But first, we're going to collect another question.
6: Hello. Uh, my name is Jörgen and I'm German journalist in the Nordic countries. Um, I miss something. You have not talked about money. The the users of the internet, uh, or the using of the internet is said to be free. Isn't that an illusion? It costs enormous amounts of money to build the infrastructure, and enormous amounts of money are earned by using the internet, commercial companies. Who controls them? Who controls how the money is spent to build the infrastructure?
1: Thank you very much. Any more questions to collect at this point? Otherwise, we'll turn to our panelists. So one question on the on-off switch, perhaps, and, and the other on money. Who controls the money? Who would like to go first? Yeah, Gabriel, perfect.
0: Um, so regarding the on-off switch, Again, I can only speak from an ICANN point of view, and we are running, as again, the skeleton of the internet, the so-called DNS. The DNS has never broken, never. So from our point of view, we don't have an on-off like in, in that way. From our point of view, what Microsoft does or Google, whatever, we don't control that. But the DNS that we are running has never broken. So that, that's important to, to, to um, keep in mind that there is a skeleton behind everything. What's on it, we don't, we don't deal with, but the skeleton has never broken, never. Um, about the money, I think I was the only one here raising something about money, and that was when I said that ICANN is a not-for-profit company. Um, Well, I can tell you how we get funded, where we get our money from, and that is for, for instance, every .com domain name that's uh, that's sold, every generic domain name that is sold in the world, we get a few cents. This is how ICANN is run and funded. And uh, who decides about that? Well, this is the multi-stakeholder community. Everything at ICANN is decided by the multi-stakeholder community. If you want to get involved, if you want to change that, please welcome, get engaged. I can only speak from an icon perspective so that's more right
2: thank you yeah the, the i think what what was said before you it, it's unlikely to switch off the whole internet because the top level of that domain name system those 13 those 13 servers, root servers, again with their 800 million, or sorry, 800 mirror instances across the planet. You'd have to shut all of those down at the same time to shut down the, the domain name system. So that's very, very unlikely to happen and indeed it's not even, not a single one is actually shut down as far as I know uh, in, the, in the time to, to date. Um, you can shut down the internet within a territory and a number of governments have done so. So there were over 50 internet shutdowns in uh, in Africa in 2016 so that government shut down the internet within within their territory um even that though is not an absolute shutdown because those who have the know and who have the money then get a, a satellite connection so they 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 don't, they don't they don't use then the territorial cables but they go via satellite so i've worked with african colleagues in the midst of an internet shutdown and they they connect with they get a special they get a vpn and then they and then they connect to a satellite and they continue to communicate so there's a uh, that that that's you know not uh, not going to Shut down in that sort of way, I think, uh, very much on money. Uh, yeah, mon- mon- money is everywhere. It's, 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 it's uh, 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 I mean, uh, Gabby was saying here. Yes, there's a with each domain name that is sold. There's a there's a couple of pennies that go to 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 ICANN, but more than that, I mean, the domain name the domain name regime is is an is an immense money spinner. You know, so the companies companies like GoDaddy and Verisign and so on. These are big, big players, and they have a very large interest in what happens at ICANN and how how it would how it would develop. Uh, business users have an incredible interest in 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 how how the internet is governed and are very concerned about that. If you go to the Internet Engineering Task Force for the protocol parameters, you might say, "Oh, it's just technical." But you know, if the if the if the people you know from one internet company want prefer to have this particular rule as the as the protocol and another company wants to have this as the particular protocol, and you know, one of them is going to make the money out of the protocol or not, then there's, there's, then there's a, a, a money game for sure. Or you might want to delay the introduction of a new protocol so that you can keep making money off of the old one first. So there's, there's all kinds of, there, there's, it's, a, it's a very big money game. If you want to introduce a new domain name, uh, you want to introduce the new domain, generic top level domain well, you better have upwards of a million dollars because it's going to cost you that much before you can actually institute the, the domain name dot Stockholm. So, yeah, So, I mean, it, it's 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 um, it's free in the sense that you don't have to pay to attend an ICANN meeting. That that part's free, but uh, there are very very big commercial interests in 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 this uh, in this in this area, for sure. Thank you. We have a question up here. Yep.
5: And then there. Yeah. Good. My name is Hormus Kapadia. Um, I've been working with internet um, well the past 40 years, probably, uh, at IBM. We called it distributed data processing at the time, which was a kind of uh, commercial internet. My question is very simple. Will internet, or does internet, is conducive to democracy? Will it be in the future? It has shown itself to be that in its uh, starting years. But now we are seeing that there are more controls on it. Uh, So how do you see the development of internet as a tool for democracy?
1: Thank you very much. We have another question down here.
6: Yes, my name is Lars Arnestam. I have a question a little on the lower levels of this question. Uh, as far as I understand, the basic uh, technique of internet has been very stable, that's what you said, Gabriel. But I find it very difficult to believe that there will be no technical development, even I- within f- the nearest future. And if there is technical development, then there no doubt will be technical development. There must be some kind of mechanism for standardization. This can be informal, simply the fact that the the new technique with the most users will prevail. But how do you look at standardization of technical changes?
1: Excellent question. so we have one question on on the link between internet and democracy and the other on on standardization. We have a third question perfect yeah excellent, so we'll take that as well
7: Hello, thanks very much for exciting discussion. My name is Lisa Down, a professor at Stockholm University. I was wondering if the if the internet if internet governance is fragmented polycentric as you say and see as much private regulators as public regulators. How can we, and should we, in your view, think about holding uh, governors accountable? Internet governance affects us all, and we cannot escape. Most of us cannot participate in in these governance processes. How should we think about holding private regulators accountable? We we, We usually think about holding politicians accountable. We elect them but we do not elect private regulators. Isn't that a problem from a democracy point of view?
1: Okay, thank you. So we have uh, two questions kind of related to uh, accountability and democracy, and then one on standardization, basically. Can, yeah, perfect. Gabriela, would you like to start? Yes, sure.
0: Um, Tool for democracy. Again, I'm sorry. I cannot reply to that because I'm um, ah. no, because I'm, I'm working for ICANN, and as ICANN, I cannot reply to that. We don't deal with these things. Um, um, technical develop. Um, I think we misunderstood each other. I didn't say that we don't, you know, never change the the, the infrastructure. I'm just saying that the DNS has never broken down. That's what I said. Of course, we're open to, to technical development and standard, standardization is very, very important for us. And actually, we, you know, as I showed earlier, we keep, one of the, we keep the database for technical uh, internet standards. It's actually in our library. So that's very important for us. And we do follow everything, uh, all these standards. Just, I just said that the DNS, which we are running, has never broken down. Okay, I, I'm not a technical person, so I I, <laughs> I don't know, I must say. I don't know, I'm sorry. I can lead you further to one of my technical colleagues, though. But we, we do, as, as I, I can just say, we do. We're always following the latest standards. We can ensure that we do that because we do want to make sure that DNS will continue never to break down. Uh, as for accountability, um, as I mentioned in my presentation, in, um 1998, we were established by the U.S. government, but an important thing happened in 2014, and that was that the U.S. government said that they will step away from their their function, and um, they asked us to develop a process to free ourselves from them. And this happened in uh, October 2016. From October 2016, I can say, truly, Um, international organization that is not uh, dependent on the U.S. government but with the U.S. government stepping away we lost one of um, our tools that we were accountable to because um, the U.S. government didn't really intervene in anything that we were doing but they were still there so if something happened we would be accountable to the U.S. government that went away Um, so what happened I have to come back to the multi-stakeholder community again. So the multi-stakeholder community started um working on first of all how is this transition away from the US government going to happen technically. That went really quickly. Um but they also started working on how will I can now who will I can be accountable to now. And this is a process it took It's actually still going on. Um, We're finishing it off now. But uh, I can tell you that I'm I'm sure there's no other organization in this world that has more accountability mechanisms than than us because now we're accountable to the multi-stakeholder community that invented loads of accountability mechanisms from... For instance, if they don't like the budget, they can intervene in the budget. If they don't like a board member, they can actually take him down. If they don't like a staff member, they can actually take the staff member down. So we have really, really heavy accountability mechanisms in place. Um, It's actually, we could have a whole seminar only about that, Uh, really. We have very strong accountability mechanisms in place at ICANN at least.
2: Thank you very much. Johan? I'm not, not a technical person, so I couldn't answer your, your question about the standardization. I, I would imagine that people in principle have the PEP can 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 not follow the standards and have other standards. But then it means not participating in the in the in the global internet that's available. I mean, you can decide that you don't want to follow the IP address or you can decide you don't want to be part of the domain name system. I mean it's I guess it's possible, but then you then you've Locked yourself out of the the. I, I think there's 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 just too many commercial, political, and other pressures to join the game. I, I don't. I'm not sure how you would how you would opt out. Uh, no that that would not be that would not be the case no the the, the, the standards do change over time certainly the protocol parameters have, have changed over time in in many ways the, uh, the 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 domain name system has changed the generic uh, top-level domain name system they've, they've had they've expanded those by by enormous amounts of, uh, of, uh, of uh, and they've changed the regime and how that how that works so there's a new version it used to be that the numbers uh, the, uh, the IP addresses in the in the in the internet up until recent years were something called IPv before, version four of the Internet Protocol numbers. Nowadays, there's a new generation of that called IPv6, uh, Internet Protocol version six. So the, the standards change. The standards certainly change over time, and there are politics and economics and culture that get involved in those in making those changes, for sure. Um, the, the 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 democracy question is enormous. Huh? I mean, and I. And I, I I hear your pain slightly. (laughs) If you say you've been in it for 40 years, those at the beginning had a kind of techno-utopian, libertarian uh, vision of this internet where yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was all going to be open, and it, you know, everyone was going to be able to say what they wanted to say, and everyone was going to have space to do whatever. And in in those very op- first moments, before the rest of society came tra- crashing down on the internet, maybe there was a window for a moment where people could could uh, imagine an internet without politics and, and political struggle and, and and so on. But of course, it's turned out to be now a, a great a great struggle. But the problem is that you know. The way we think about democracy in relation to the nation-state doesn't really work in relation to the internet, uh, because democracy in relation to the nation-state is territorial. Uh, the people is the nation. Uh, uh, you know, the governance apparatus is the state, uh, and and the domain where 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 democracy operates is the country. Well, the internet doesn't operate on the country. Identities on the internet are not, and communities on the internet are not necessarily national. And the governance apparatus is not a state. So. We can have a generic idea about democracy. Democracy meaning that affected people have due participation and control over matters which affect their livelihood. If that's a generic idea of democracy, rather than elections per se. Elections is a way of doing democracy. So then the question is, well, okay, here you have this non-territorial, more than state, uh, non-national, Entity which is which is big in our lives. How do we let affected people have due participation and control in that area? Uh, And this is the puzzle and the the, and these endless arguments about accountability in ICANN are are evidence of that puzzle That people are struggling to say how do we do democracy in a new way? Um, And it and it is and it is extremely extremely difficult to sort that one out and I think this will this one will run and run Uh, Yes, ICANN has new accountability uh, mechanisms, and they are, sorry, I shouldn't say this, I was part of the creation of them, so I mean, of course I'll pat myself, but no, but they they are very creative, they're very creative and they're very very novel, um, but one can still ask critical questions about them, Uh, namely, the multi-stakeholder community, if you do an analysis of power within that multi-stakeholder community, it's not horizontal. Uh, business interests have a very strong have a very strong presence. Uh, uh, the global North has a very strong presence relative to the global South. Uh, in gender terms, it's a heavily male-dominated area. In age terms, it's a middle-aged and older kind of the newer generation doesn't have doesn't tend to have much say in this in this in this rulemaking. And so, one can say multi-stakeholder community. It's not it's not horizontal. There are lots of hierarchies. And so, and even those who are in the multi-stakeholder community, they are an inside group. They're an inside group who make the rules. The links and their democratic accountability to people outside is not clear. So, you know, maybe two or three of people in this room are actually part of that multi-stakeholder community. But what are your relations, those two or three people in this room who are actively involved in the multi-stakeholder community, what are your relations with everybody else in the room that 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 gives you a right to, to make noise within the multi-stakeholder room? and and to, and to shape the rules. This is not clear. Uh, so there are people who pose at, at ICANN in particular to represent the internet users of the world. I know their hearts are in the right place, but I have no idea how they come to this claim.
1: Thank you very much. We're approaching the end of the seminar. There is a couple of minutes left to the last person to dare to ask a question. Yes, and we have a brave person here, please. This is going to be the final question for... Uh, today. <coughs> My name is Stig and I associate to artificial intelligence. Did we design a system that we may not be able to control in the future? The, how do we um, approach that worry? We have the technology optimists on one side, who think that it will be solved and the other side wants to control and regulate. So um, maybe there's no answer, really, but it's a reflection. <laughs> so an excellent last question, that deep existential anxiety that we all face. Can we control what we, what we create, our kids or the Internet, or whatever it might be? Gabriella, you go first and then John, and then we'll wrap it up. Thank you.
0: Okay, so I can just not deal with inter- <laughs> artificial <laughs> <laughs> intelligence, of course, but... If it's um, if it's using the internet or today's DNS as, we, as the internet as we know it today, if it's using that uh, technology, then we're there. We we it's it's there for you. You can do whatever you like with it. We make sure that it will never break. But um, you know, again, what's on it? What you do with it? It's 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 not us um, deciding. It's the multi-stakeholder community. So. <laughs>
2: The horizontal. of take stakeholder community at anyway, um, I, 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 I Anyway, mean, artificial intelligence is not the internet. Right? It's it's part of the it's part of the wider digital society. And and on, on those questions, I have n- no more than anyone else in this room to say. Really, I, a, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm interested that I was uh, I was called uh, last last week or ten days ago by a 14 year old uh, school uh, child in Gothenburg, uh, saying you know. Uh, what, wanting to interview me about artificial intelligence. And I thought, well, okay, well, towards an eighth grader, maybe I can still, I can sort of pretend that I know something about AI. To you, I can't. But, uh, uh, but, but what interested me was that this, uh, that this eighth grader, this is not an answer to your question, but it's a way of getting out of it. Um, <laughs> but but, the, but the, 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 no, but was it, what, what interested me in particular was how much this 14-year-old knew about this question. Uh, uh, you know, they, they were really on top of it, you know, the, and, the, and how did AI, what were its implications for power relations between, you know, the north and south and different regions of the world, and what was this going to be in, in terms of control and democracy and so on and so forth. So I, I, was, I was really caught out to be a dinosaur, you know, thinking, thinking, I was at, no, thinking that I was on the front line with internet governance thing, and then, you know, here came this person with, with artificial uh, intelligence issues, and I had nothing to say.
1: Perfect. So that was also an optimist uh, ending, I guess, that the, the younger generations will actually beat us and become better than, than us. That's, that's a positive note. So please join me in a round of applause for our speakers. <laughs> I think you did a fantastic job tackling this, this very complex issue. I think we actually learned a lot today. So thank you very much. Great.
3: Find us on www.ui.sc. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter with UI Sweden and we're also on YouTube where you can watch our seminars and interviews